Hey guys, where we start today, I want to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. You already know it. You probably listened to it. I listened to it. It's the Low Post with Zach Lowe, who talks all things basketball with the smartest people in the business. Now, twice a week, listen to the Low Post wherever you're listening to this podcast. Welcome back to the Nina Khan Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts hears the name Kenneth Walker III and thinks, sounds like a great dog owner. That's Lenny, I'm Nina Kimes, and I am joined this week by a good friend of the pod, Jeff Schwartz. Uh, Jeff has his own pod, Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you, you can read his writing on Fox Sports, he's on Sirius XM. Jeff, have I left anything out? No, that's about right. I'm, 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 I have enough jobs, so I think you listed them all. Thank mm-hmm. you. Well, so when I... DMD this week, we're back to talking about the games. Um, I started with what I don't think is a bold statement at all, which is Giant Seahawks, best game of the weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the maybe the most impactful that we didn't expect to be impactful because this is a wild card um elimination game, maybe, but also yeah. like maybe Seattle wins the AF the NFC West. I, I, don't I mean, like, shoot. I, so it's a game. I think none of us thought we'd get to, but it's a game that stresses in my opinion, like the importance of coaching, right? Like just how do you use your pieces in the best way possible? And the giants are the perfect example of this. Like, yeah, they win a lot of close games. Are their analytics? Great advanced number no not really they're okay right but they just like they just stick with it man like they just grind <laughs> it out they they they're well coached or disciplined they make things happen and they're just a fun team to watch because they're always in it each week i think both of these teams are really fun to watch it, i mean just before we actually dig into the matchup um especially on offense you know it was seattle they have one of the more fun offenses in the league which uh, I, I guess both of these teams are kind of the nobody saw it coming teams. There's a few of those across the NFL, but I think these two teams are at the top, especially with Seattle and Geno Smith. So um, I guess let, let's start there. Let's start with Geno Smith versus this Giants defense. You mentioned that the analytics or advanced metrics don't really love the Giants. So, you know, on defense in most and advanced and otherwise, well, actually, I don't know about points per game. I don't have that in front of me, but mostly uh numbers that actually kind of look at down-to-down performance do not love the Giants defense we know uh with defense coordinator Wing Martindale they blitz a lot they blitz the highest rate in the NFL unsurprising uh, it's a little bit of a live and die by the blitz situation although when they do blitz they're only 25th in pressure rate which is amongst blitzing teams which just means they're not particularly great at it yeah. however um you know I, I think the the defensive front is playing really well um you know I've espoused how much I have been a fan of Dexter Lawrence this season. Yeah, Leonard Williams great. back, Kayvon Thibodeau, your guy, stepping yeah. up. So, like, how do you feel that they match up with what has been not just one of the better passing attacks in the NFL, but with the aforementioned Kenneth Walker III, uh, looks pretty deadly on the ground, too? Why don't the Giants allow points, though? Like, you, they, they just don't I, – I, and I, I don't have a great explanation for this, but they just don't allow teams to score. I, I Look, last week they had a fumble, lock a little bit, and you know, inside the five-yard line, Jacksonville fumble, but – they just don't allow points. Like I, the Ravens. I mean, so Ravens scored twenty points. They forced those two turnovers at the end of the game. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of luck, and maybe it comes down this week. It's look. Seattle is a very hard place to play, um, and the crowd's going to be roaring. It's going to be loud. It's going to be raucous, and like there's a chance the Giants just falter in this environment just because they, you know, again defensively 
the points per game don't add up to the numbers, the analytics at least. Um, and so I just I don't have a great explanation, Mina, for why they don't allow points. <laughs> like I really don't. I I don't, you know, they played the Packers who are struggling. Okay, they played the Bears. Maybe just you played some bad offense. Now you get Seattle, who you mentioned, who is able to run the ball well, throwing the ball downfield with, with Geno. Like I thought Geno's kind of like first half of the first game was more of like, oh, you know, just a great first start. And that's kind of it because he didn't play well in week two against the 49ers. And now he's just kind of taken off back into that realm. Um, but, you know, sales had success drafting you know, those those two tackles they drafted playing well. I did not yeah. expect Abe Lucas to play this well early in his career. I did for Charles. And they just kind of have a formula that works for them. And on paper, they should score a lot of points this weekend because the matchups are favorable for them. Like who – who on the Giants is is stopping the wide receivers? Who who linebacker is the one you're like, man, that's our guy who's going to stop Kenneth Walker? I I don't know. Yeah, that's why I don't that's, know how they don't allow points. That jumped out to me as being a big issue potentially in this one for New York. Um, you you mentioned at linebacker. Uh, I think you saw they were the Jaguars had a lot of success running the football on them, and I do think a lot of it was because of issues at the second level. Even though they're they've been decent this year in the open field, but. I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is one where Seattle does lean pretty heavily on their run, especially with, you know, it seems like DK Metcalf is probably not going to play, Yeah. Um, which I suspect, you know, Marquise Goodwin was huge in the last game. He's typically their wide receiver three with Eskridge. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, Jeff, if offensively we see a lot of 12 and 13 personnel, even with Seattle, because they've had a lot of success it, both in the run game and the pass game using those tight ends yeah. this year. And it seems to me that with Metcalf gone, they might lean into that. So Mina, why is this working now? <laughs> Russell Wilson? You know, I, you know, I ask a question. Like I, I just set aside the Russell Wilson stuff. Like, but like, yeah, why is this Gino working and now? And it didn't work with him. I know he was hurt a little bit last year, but like it shouldn't work better with Geno Smith yeah. than it does with Russell Wilson. Well, I'll start here. Um, Geno Smith just is a much better fit for the Shane Waldron offense, which is sort of, you know, he comes from the Rams and it's pretty yeah. Ramsian in terms of, you know, using, well, not using the tight ends, Rams don't use the tight ends, but everything kind of looking the same way, the under center play action game, the boot game. Um, they're really good at using motion. I, I, I think um, both of the big Kenneth Walker runs maybe were with 13 personnel with the tight end coming across in motion and blocking. That's something they've had a lot of success with this year. Yeah. But for the most part, Jeff, it's just been that you, you, you alluded to the offensive line, I think playing better than anyone expected the rookie tackles, but it really starts and ends with Gito Smith, who has been just good at everything. I mean, the ball is coming out quick. He is accurate. He is a good decision maker. Yeah. I think mentally the, that side of his game is really underrated. His decision-making, some of the audibling he does, um, and notably, and then this is probably the most important factor in this particular game, he's been good against pressure. He's been good against the blitz. And those were areas where he struggled uh, throughout most of his career and been last year with Seattle. And I think that's been the single biggest difference in his game. And that's important because, you know, when you play Wink Martindale team, like, you know, it's coming. I mean, you play Steve Spagnuolo <laughs> yeah. teams, like you, you see it, it's hey, zero pressure is coming. Like, do you have an answer for it? And it appears Gino and this offensive staff does have an answer for. It. I've always like as an offensive player, I love zero pressure because it's often very easy to see. And as a lineman, I'm like, oh well, there comes zero pressure. Um, and if the ball's out quickly as it should be, you have an opportunity for huge gains. It's one on one across the board. 
Um, and yet defenses still get away with it all the time. And if you have a quarterback in Gino who's played a lot of football and, and offense understands, okay, if, if they give us these looks, let's get the ball out quickly. Even without DK, like you can do a lot of damage if you have a quarterback that understands those principles. So you, you do follow the Giants very closely. Yes. And, you know, we've talked about Brian Dable and what a great job he's done and Mike Kafka. But I guess just to sum it up, what have you liked the most from what you've seen from Daniel Jones thus far? Um, the Giants have designed an offense based around a quarterback. They do not want to throw the ball on third and long um, with no wide receivers and with an interior offensive line that they don't trust. Like It's an incredible job they've done. They have made it to where Daniel Jones, for the most part, is only throwing certain types of balls, right? He's throwing the play-action pass, the quick pass, and the screen. Like, they're just trying to avoid everything possible to get him into a five-step drop. Really, in shotgun now, it's not much of a but three-step drop, right? Like, they're, they're, they're balls out quickly. They do a ton of play-action pass. They do a ton of bootlegs, just kind of using his legs, getting him on the edge. It's one read. You're reading a linebacker. You're reading a safety. Throw the ball and move it along. And they've eliminated, I think, the mistakes that he has made in his career, which is basically standing in the pocket forever and fumbling, right? Like, they, they've eliminated that because that's not part of the offense anymore. Of course, on third and long, he has to throw the ball, but they try to avoid that by giving the offense easy opportunities to pick up yards on first and second down. And so now it's third and three, and third and three, you can still run the ball. You can do a wildcat. You can do a, a, a screen. You can even do a play-action pass on third and three still. Like, there's... You can yeah. yourself up. I don't have the numbers in front of me for their average third down distance. I'd imagine it's pretty good. Like they're in a yeah. spot again where they're not using him in the in the ways that make him a bad quarterback. Now, is this sustainable for years to come? You probably want a better quarterback in the end because that's defines a lot of quarterback success. Is are those third down throws right? Um, but it works. Like they design an offense that they're not scoring a ton of points, but they they're just kind of a nuisance. Like they're just a nuisance. They stick around <laughs> and they do good things. They don't, they don't kill themselves. They don't make mistakes. Um, and that's, I, I give Brian Dable a lot of credit for doing that. You saw, I'm sure that, uh, Dan Orlovsky video where he just showed them spamming power over and yeah, over like that's, and over I love, like, and over. Like, <laughs> I, I am a fan of, of, of the Oregon ducks, obviously. Um, we will beat your Huskies soon enough. Don't worry. Uh, we'll, 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 see. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll, but nonetheless, we'll like Oregon does this too. Oregon says, you can't stop this run. We're going to run it till you stop it. And then we're going to run it one more time to make sure that you can't stop it, right? Like, wh why change? If, if, if Jacksonville's not fitting that run properly, it was like a load power, right? They had a, kind of an extra guy in there as well. Then just keep running it until they stop it. Like, and good. Uh, to me, that's a good sign of someone who understands their personnel, understands what's happening in the game. And that's why I get a good feeling about Brian Dable. He sort of understands what's happening around him. Um. How big of an impact do you think the loss of Evan Neal? So the uh, Giants yeah. rookie right tackle was injured and he will not be playing in this game. I don't know how long he's out. And then I don't think Daniel Bellinger, who has to have eye surgery, who I, literally the second I, I was like, dang, this Bellinger guy is like pretty good. Of course, then boom, immediately he gets hurt, which sucks and sounds like a horrible injury. But how big of an impact do you think it is for them to not have those two players? Well, it's big. I mean, Evan Neal, you know, he's been up and down, but I think starting to play a lot better, kind of getting a little bit more into uh, the flow of things and kind of figuring out some things he needs to work on. And as I mentioned earlier, like your interior offensive line isn't great. Now Gates might be back this week. I know he's practicing, but I don't know if he's okay. playing this week. That would be a big addition if they get uh, him back in the lineup inside. But, you know, again, like you lose a guy like Neil, it, it hurts. But 
I, I know people don't like hearing this. Okay, it, it's hard to hear that like your your favorite offensive lineman is even though it's graded highly by PFF, and I like those guys. That maybe the offense helps a little bit, and like the Giants' offense helps, right? Like it, yeah. It's designed, as I mentioned, to help Daniel Jones, but also the offensive linemen are not put in situations where they're having to block much one on one, where they're not in third and long, and so I think they can get by in those spots when they don't have those like big one-on-one blocks. Now, obviously that's, you know, seven, eight times a game, they're going to miss Evan Neal, but I think otherwise they can design an offense that should be able to mitigate that a little bit. Oh my goodness. Like that, the Atlanta Falcons are the poster child for yes. this, right? I mean, just barely changing their personnel and looking suddenly so different run blocking, but um, all right. So I'll, let me, I'll address the Seattle side of this then matchup. So Seattle's defense was, one of the worst in the NFL for the first few weeks of the season, really at the bottom and run past every, just about every metric. And then they sort of turned things around the last two weeks, which has bumped them up to right now. They're like about 19th, I think in DVA, which is shocking. Honestly, if you watch them in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Uh, so as far as why that is Jeff, there's, there's a few reasons for it. And, you know, I'll say this, like, um, I actually think part of the reason they've made that leap in DVA is it hasn't been because they've played horrible. I mean, offenses you know i mean the cardinals offense without hopkins obviously was pretty gross but you know the chargers are no slouches uh grant you know even with the injuries there and they absolutely shut them down so a few they've, they've made a few tweaks um to their defensive looks they are attacking more on defensive line they're playing more of a two four five look and ryan neal who barely played the first few weeks of the season starting around week five uh became basically yeah. a starting safety for this team and was fantastic. You, did you watch the Chargers game? He was fantastic a little bit of it. in that game. But isn't this what Pete Carroll does every year? Like the defense just gets better, right? Like that's, that's, uh, they it do. Also, it makes sense because this is a really young team. Yes. Like the secondary, like those are, they got rookies at corner, man. And, and we know about well, Woolen, dude, they're, they're playing well. They're playing better. I mean, we know about Woolen being, you know, incredible playmaker, but um, Kobe, um, Bryant, there's so many like Kobe Bryant's and Kobe Dress. Kobe Bryant, who's a slot corner, has been playing better and better. Um, and so they just kind of seem to be, Brooks was really good, the Jordan Brooks linebacker. So they just kind of seem to be figuring things out. Now, that said, nobody is going to confuse this for one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I do think uh, the Giants option game is a handful. So let's wrap here. Like how, if you were a defense, setting aside Seattle and what they do, how would you approach defending this very unique and specific yeah. Giants offense? Well, I mean, the thing that you have to be is very disciplined, right? You have to try to um, make sure that that you stay in your lane. Because, you know, what Saquon Barkley does best is it's not really like the simple runs. Like, his best plays, he's a guy that, like, you know, it's two yards, it's three yards, it's four yards, it's two yards, it's three yards, it's 75 yards, right? Like, it's the discipline of making sure that you don't have any breakdowns. Because if you are out of one gap, or you, you overrun the ball, don't tackle. Like it's just, it's fundamental. In my opinion, it's just fundamentally like you have to be able to keep him in front of you. Otherwise, you get into issues when he's in open space. He's not a guy that is going to, he can run in between the tackles, but he would much prefer to be out in open space, obviously, right? Like he wants to get out and run as fast as he can by everybody. So I think it's just discipline. You have to be able to stay in your gap and trust the coaching, right? Trust that you're where you're supposed to be. And that if you leave your gap, Barkley will make you pay. So you have to stay in there and do your job. I think that's the way you corral this this rushing attack. Of course, you know you have to have someone on Daniel Jones, especially in the zone read game. 
I would always, by the way, like force a pull and hit the quarterback. Like I would always make these Hmm. quarterbacks keep the ball and hit them. Like I, I would, when I design a defense, that's how I would do it. I I would have my linebacker scrape over the top and just try to hit that quarterback as many times as possible. I, Sorry, you're talking about the linebacker. I, I couldn't believe how the Jaguars just didn't do that at all in this game. Like, it was kind of shocking to me how they defended the Daniel Jones keeper I, or didn't defend it. I don't like, I feel like, I don't know, like, why teams just don't always have this in their game plan. Like, I, yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, you're facing a, a, a guy who's mobile who they're going to zone read. Like, wouldn't you have someone on the quarterback? I, I just think, like, those. Those are the explosive plays that really crush you. Like, yeah, you might get beat for an inside zone for a long game, but you know, like you just didn't fit it right or something. Like these quarterback runs, man, they they're like soul crushers because your your defense, like, what the quarterback just got 17 yards on me? Like, what are we doing? Um, I, I just yeah, I I would try to get the quarterback and hit him as many times as I could. The other thing I would say, I agree, is um just being very, very wary and disciplined when it comes to the Giants boot game. Um, because you know a lot of those boosts just turn into daniel jones runs right and they're um nakeds and it just again with the jaguars it just seemed like they just didn't i don't know just didn't see it coming you know so you're around the league you see a lot of defenses where the um the backside end peels off and just takes the quarterback right and you know you are sort of those leave some vulnerabilities obviously but along the lines of what we're discussing i just feel like if you're Seattle, you just have to go at Jones constantly, um, and yeah, because that's. It's but this is why, if you if you design a run game, I mean a run defense where you crash that defensive end down and you scrape the linebacker over the top, yeah, inside zone. If that tight end yeah. comes back and cuts you down, you have that huge gap right there. But also, if they boot, your tight end is right in the face of the quarterback. I mean, your t- your linebacker, your linebacker exactly, is right yeah. in the face of the quarterback. So you kind of take care of both of those things at once. And obviously, again. Your backers outside the box, so if they hit you with an inside with an outside zone, you could be screwed. But the fact is, like that's how you defend both those plays at one time. Should be an interesting one. I'm excited. They should flex it because I, I feel like at the beginning of the season, I'm sure Packers Bills looked like the most enticing Sunday night game, and now like who would have thunk? Giant Seahawks, more interesting to me. I mean, it's a already- 425. How many 425 games are there at the? At- is, is Packers uh, probably not too many, probably right. After there's Rams, Niners, and then Commanders, Colts. No one's gonna watch Titans, no. Texans. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, I mean, this is like this is like the big one. Giants, Seahawks on Big Fox, man. Greg Olson will probably do the game, man. It'd be Ooh. I love it. Love it. It's gonna be a good tight ends game, so he'll love that one. All right, yeah. let's move to a game that is. Um, I've been using the word grimy because I don't like using the word bad to describe games where it's just the offense that's bad because usually when we say bad, that's all we mean. Um, Patriots, Jets, <laughs> grimy. Bad offense. Grimy. This is the grimiest game of the weekend, but it is a game that's important because it feels like this is kind of, as far as you talked about the NFC wildcard game, it feels like, well, I mean, and the Jets are 5-2, and two and, well, we could talk about that, but... um this this is a big one for the Jets, man. Like this is a real opportunity, and yeah. I, I don't know if they're gonna get Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi at this point. We probably won't know until game time, which I ranted about earlier in this week, so I don't really need to get into. But uh, let's start there. Like, do you think it matters whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi against this Jets defense? Yeah, I think it does matter. Um... So the report that Bill Belt that we heard was Bill Belichick said that these quarterbacks were going to split reps. That was his plan. Ugh. But then you heard from the players that said they didn't split reps in practice at all, right? So like, or the players didn't know that this was going to be a thing, and that kind of worries me, right? Because 
you know, for a coach like Belichick, he knows better, right? Like if you're going to do this, you, A, you shouldn't because you have two quarterbacks, you have none. But there's limited amount of reps during the week, especially with the first team, right? And you want the quarterback, the starting quarterback, to take all of them. And you might get like this time of year to week eight, you you know, uh, including seven on seven, like 40 scout team reps a day. I mean, like that's about it. 40 reps a day against a scout team. Like you, need, you want your one quarterback to get all those reps possible, right? Um, and then if you split them in 20 and 20, that doesn't do anyone any good. Um, and I, I just, I feel like, um, you know, as much as I joked about Mac Jones losing his job on Twitter, and I did, that they didn't really give him a chance, right? A guy comes back off no. an injury and you pull him right away. I love the conspiracy that that ball hit the sky cam. I mean, it looks like it did. I, I don't, I don't know. I saw that. Uh, what if that know, changes like the arc of NFL history? ESPN <laughs> said it didn't hit the sky cam. Mm. The ball looked like it changed trajectory. I, I, I'm, I, that's mm. all I can say. Um, and if that happened, then obviously, you know, who knows? Just pick one quarterback. Like if it's Bailey yeah. Zappi, fine. If it's Mac Jones, fine. Just pick one. Well, um, regard, regardless yeah. of which one you pick, right. run the Bailey Zappi offense. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. why you know mac jones if it's mac jones he should always be under center play action right like what should we like not that it's like a perfect solve for the issues ailing him or the pressure you know that they had some issues of pressure in this last game but god he was getting killed back there before he made that crucial mistake and and you know it's also, it was interesting too. Like as soon as he got taken out, then all of a sudden there were like three open wide receivers yeah. on the next route on the next time. <laughs> I mean, it, I guess this is what happens when you have a defensive coordinator calling plays. Um, and so look, the Jets just offensively now the injuries are starting to pile up, and and unfortunately, that's the way the league works sometimes, where you just you get hit. I, I had a Brees Hall preseason rookie of the year th- oh, ticket. I got a throwing the trash. I mean, like I was big on him from his draft slot. Uh, he was playing such good football, so explosive, added new dimensions to the offense. Then you lose Elijah Vera Tucker. It's a lot. It's just that you lose in main cogs in this offense that really is designed mm. almost like the Giants to kind of prevent like Zach Wilson having to do anything. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, though. The Bears kind of gave a game plan against Patriots, right? Like, here, do this game plan. You have a mobile quarterback. Just kind of avoid getting him in those bad situations to pass. And they kind of give him a blueprint. I, I didn't think the Bears' offense could do that to the Patriots' defense. I, I, I thought the Patriots might not score very much, but I didn't expect that outcome. And it, it kind of gives you a blueprint, I think, on how to attack the Patriots. Just study what the Bears did. I would also say, given that the Patriots' defense struggled to defend Lamar Jackson, there's clearly an issue with mobile quarterbacks that said you don't want, like, little Zach Wilson on the move the way those guys are. Sure. Um, but, yeah, but you do – I do think – they're, you know, in terms of the run game, you know, they traded for James Robinson. I haven't talked about that trade. It's fine. They barely gave up anything. He's a good back. I like it. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do think, I mean, they're going to lean way into the run in this one, I think, oh, especially yeah. since this Patriots defense has struggled at times to stop the run. Um, and also because, <laughs> so uh, Zach Wilson is 37th in passer rating when pressured. Oh. Mac Jones is 38th. Oh, so basically, um, both I, 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 again, maybe it's Bailey Zappi, but regardless, this feels like a game where both offensive coordinators are going to do everything possible to not put the ball in their quarterback's hands, especially because, um, 
you know, the Jets' defensive front looks amazing. Oh, yeah, they look really so good. good. And yeah. you do not want Mac Jones dropping back versus, you know, Quinn and Williams and company too much. Yeah. But to be fair, I mean, only one team really has an offensive coordinator. That's the Jets. Like, they just the, – the, the Patriots don't have I, – I just – it blows my mind that they went this route with their offense. Like, I get it. Belichick wants his dudes, and he's tired of coaches leaving them. But, like, you have – Offensive line coach Joe Judge, and you have offensive coordinator Matt Patricia. I, I am not shocked that it has not worked as, as they planned this season. Like it's no, I, I just it blows my mind. It really does. I was surprised, Jeff, by how the Patriots' run game, which looked has good, looked really good intermittently. I was surprised by how bad that looked actually against Chicago. Um, do you think that was like the blocking, or I mean, how did you feel I, that their offensive line performed? It just looked disjointed, and I think when you get behind as they did early in the game, you kind of start stressing a little bit, and you try to do a little bit too much in the run game. Um, and I think that's kind of what it felt like happened. Yeah, they've had some good, really good moments this year. They have, you know, Cole Strange is, you know, I know we mocked where he was drafted and still probably too high, but he's done a good job. Trent Brown's been played well. Like they've had good dudes and. And, you know, Isaiah Wynn's kind of working through some things, even though I think he's out right now. Um, but, yeah, they just – they kind of got, just got their butts whooped. Like, there are some games when you just just get your butts whooped. Like, it's just yeah. part of football. And it, it looked like that. You know, David Andrews going out – was it middle of the second quarter, somewhere around there, did not help. Um, yeah. That was a you know a hit that – who that's – you know, defensive linemen, man, they're, like, really big into, like, not getting cut blocked. And then when they just, like, illegally hit alignment. I didn't see any tweets from any defensive linemen, like <laughs> – like we're gonna outlaw this this blindside block from the game now, guys. Oh, um, man. So, and that's why that play got outlawed because it, it, a it hurts and b yeah. it, it really does hurt. Like you get injured. A lot of offensive linemen have been hurt uh, with those with those blindside blocks. Um, I hope I hope Andrew's okay. That that's a that's a painful hit right there. Yeah, I'm not sure what his status is. I do believe Kyle Duggar and Christian Barmer, who was missing, and maybe you know that has to do a little bit with how they got bullied up front. Um, we'll be back for this one. And for me, it just it just feels like, okay, which defensive front can dominate, you know? Um, and, you know, like I said, the Jets have been fantastic to say nothing of how well their cornerbacks are playing. But the Patriots, while I know we just saw them get bullied, this has icy ghosts written all over it. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I feel like the Patriots defense is more likely to rebound from last week than the Patriots offense. So I don't know, the, just to cut back to the griminess, I'm having a lot of trouble picking this one because I just think it's going to ultimately come down to that, like those particular matchups. Yeah. And the Patriots have been pretty good on defense this year. And they play, when they played the better quarterbacks, <laughs> they've struggled a little bit. Right. So like that's that yeah. kind of your indication. I think that if, if you're looking at this from a quarterback angle, that Zach Wilson's not, you know, not Aaron Rodgers, not Lamar Jackson, um, and they basically, I mean, I guess you could count last week as the one time they got kind of got torched by a bad quarterback. Uh, but again, that game plan by the Bears was was so specific that I'm even if I advocate for Zach Wilson to do some of that, he's just not that's not what he does all too well, anyways. I think that the Jets have the core pieces of a good football team, yes. obviously, coming off these brutal injuries. And one concern I have, and this is halfway through the season, so. You know, it's not a firm take. Jets fans, don't yell at me. Is that because of the injuries, this the, the Zach Wilson isn't judged properly? Which is to say, how he's played thus far in the season, Jeff, they should move on next year. 
This is yeah. a good team. They're too good, honestly. But I wonder if, first of all, it's possible he turns it around. He's a young quarterback, so I'm, I, I just throw that out there. But I also fear that, like, after losing AVT and Hall, they'll be like, well, did he really have a chance? It's like, right. no, 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 we, we saw what he looks like with those guys. And yeah. they were not winning because of him. And I think it was after the 2020 season when the Browns went to the playoffs and I made the bold take of the Browns should draft a quarterback. Um, because it, I looked at it like the Chiefs and Alex Smith, right? And obviously Alex Smith had played many, many years. And um, and I said, like, look, the Browns have the makings of a really good team. But hold, what's going to hold them back in the end is quarterback. I ended up being right. I mean, I, I, it's fine. I've been wrong about other things and right about things. Like, it's, it, you know, you're right and wrong. Um, but I feel like a lot of teams are in this boat where it's like our quarterback – Maybe can be good. Sometimes he's good. Sometimes he's average. And it's just hard to move on from that guy and say, like, like if the Jets have a chance this year to draft one of these top five quarterbacks, I I would look into doing it. Like, I like, would too. Like, like, you just, like, it doesn't mean Jets fans, you're going to do it. It doesn't mean they have to do it. But the teams that are bold with roster construction, it tends to work out in the end. Not all the time, of course. It's not a, but, like, you have to sort of go for it. And you have all these guys on a rookie contract. So you can afford to take some misses even because of that. Um, and I just think that if you say, look, man, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, like, let's go get our guy. And I'm just, I don't know who else is in the draft right now, but like, let, let, like, let's just go get our dude. Like, we love this guy so much and just get him. Like, the, the Cardinals did this, the Chiefs did this. Like, just go get your guy. Um, and, it's been a success. Like I think the Jets have to consider that after the season. I couldn't agree more, but I also reserve the right to change my mind if he suddenly has like a wild improvement. Jets fans, but, but, I'm not seeing but, it yet. But Mina, but, Mina, but like yet, we but. look, we have to just accept that Josh Allen is an outlier. Like I think people <laughs> look at, look at it and say, "Well, he can be Josh Allen." Well, yeah, it, no, yeah. You know the, the 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 one that you really though. I mean, see, I think like for example. Um, that this is a much more obvious, like the, the the really interesting teams when it comes to quarterback positions are, are the two teams we talked about at the very beginning of the show, Seattle and New York, I think, because the you know there's just so many more variables there, like and and there are also quarterbacks that are like playing well within you know well I think Geno's actually kind of Seattle, actually but, elevating. Seattle might win, but Seattle could win the division and get a top ten pick. It's like, yeah, like you they know what? have okay. the ability of like playing I mean, well this year they, and also being like you know what. We can, you know, come back next year, but we're also going to draft this quarterback in the top 10. I also am very curious to see what Gino will command if he keeps this up. So, but that's, let's put a pin in that and let's talk yes. about one NFC game before we take a quick break. Okay. Um, and that is your five and one Minnesota Vikings against the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. So I haven't talked about the Vikings much. Um, because what are but- they? Like, I, I, what are they? <laughs> People would say the same about that. Well, actually, the Giants, I feel like I have my arms around. Like, we know who the Giants yes. are. We know that they've gotten a little bit, you know, winning close games is not always sustainable and and all that, but we know who they are. They have an identity on offense. Um, I think the Vikings and the Titans, I would put in the category of like teams people like aren't, like no one really understands. I haven't talked I feel like the Titans are the same team there every year, just slightly worse (laughs) at Ryan Tannehill. Like it's like the same team every year, but just like, by the way, I know we're not talking about this. Like I am just, I am never, ever talking positive about the Colts in the in the preseason ever again in my entire life until proven oh otherwise. My God. Like uh, every year we're like brutal. Colts, 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 Colts. And then the Titans just kick their ass and win the division every year. Like it's just I'm tired of doing it. I'm I'm over that. But nonetheless, let's get back to to, to the game in the hand. Um 
so let's start with the Vikings then, the Vikings offense against the Cardinals defense. Because first of all, seriously, the Cardinals defense has been better than they have any right to be, I would say. But they also have improved. I, one thing I really liked in the Thursday, it feels like it's been forever since they played. So the Thursday night game, so much of the focus was on the return of DeAndre Hopkins or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and granted, you know, they were playing the Saints and Andy Dalton and whatnot. But um, it feels like, oh, they're kind of like the linebackers, Simmons and Collins, who, you know, I've mentioned a million times, didn't even play in the wildcard game. And it seemed like, you know, bad draft picks. It feels like they're kind of settling into their roles in the deep. Of course, Simmons had the incredible pick. Um, yeah. Incredible. It was a good, great pick. But it feels like, okay, this is a defense. They're going to play a lot of base. They're going to blitz a lot. They're going to play a lot of cover three and, you know, just execute. Now, here comes a Vikings offense that uh, at the jump of the season, game week one, looked like a world killer. We're like, oh my God, Justin Jefferson in the cup roll, Kevin O'Connell. And since then, Jeff has been really underwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I tweeted about how bad their boot game is, but the thing that jumps out to me watching them is just how conservative they are. They don't really yeah. push the ball downfield, and some of that is due to the coverages that they face. But like, I don't know. I always thought of their identity as having you know those deep shot plays off of play action, Kirk Cousins hitting those crossers off of the design rollouts, and it's kind of gone. It's just a lot of dink and dunk. Kirk Cousins ranks last in the NFL in air guards per target. Uh, so let me ask you this, like, do you think that they can be better? And how do you feel they match up with Arizona? Well, I'm very curious to see it coming off the bye, like how they use this this opportunity, right? Like how, how do they use this week to self-scout to improve? Like we don't, they might get the same numbers that you have. I mean, imagine they have those and they think to themselves, okay, how can we make our team better? Like that's the, the one wild card here is we just don't know. They haven't, obviously, first time being a head coach, like what's he gonna do? What 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 changes will will he have made um, with with a bye week? And they could come out, Nina, and start bootlegging again, going downfield, doing everything that they used to do in this offense, and you feel much better about them. Um, they also just have played for the most part some bad football teams: Lions, Saints, Bears, yeah. Dolphins without uh, without Tua. Um, so the Cardinals are. I don't know. Okay, I guess it, they can be. They're better with Hopkins, obviously, in the lineup. Um, so we might not even like really get tested very much in this game, as far as like doing new things. But that's what I'm curious about. Like, are they going to address the issues you said? Are they going to boot more? Are they throw down field a little bit more? Because they could come out this week and just be a different offense, and all those things you mentioned are completely different against the Cardinals. <sighs> We just don't know. I mean, I, I get the I get the humming. Yeah. And I get the, I understand that because it you know, coaches don't often change, but look, I just the most recent like the Bears, the offense was like different. <laughs> like they, they, yeah. they had a little more time to, to work at like eleven days, right? They went from Thursday to Sunday. Um and so there's a chance that they decide to do things differently. But also, can I make the case that they haven't really like needed to push the ball downfield? It doesn't mean they shouldn't. But like they kind of haven't had to do that really. Like they haven't had to yeah. push their offense because they're not allowing a lot of points and the opponents they're playing aren't very good. Yeah, that's true. No, you're right. Um, yeah, there's a, a well, it's funny because I think Cousins actually has more picks this year than he did at this point last year. But 
um, yeah, in terms of like the conservative and conservatives and pardon me, some of it I do think is related to game situation. And then I would say some of it also is just the way defenses are playing them for sure. And the coverage looks that they're getting outside of the Eagles game where they played like a ton of man and they were sticking it on Jefferson. For the most part, defenses are just kind of sagging off of him, you know, and, and containing him over the top and just saying, okay, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. It's fine. Um, I guess I just, um, there just seems like an, this, they have too much talent to be yeah. this, to lack that explosiveness, oh, I suppose. As someone who has um, Justin Jefferson season uh, season totals over, yeah, I would, I'd like I would appreciate he's he'll be there probably to hit his his totals, but yeah, I would love for him to get more yards and be more involved in in the and, defense. I, I'm curious about I'm just I'm curious though, like about off a of bye week, like we don't yeah we don't know maybe things will be different. But and then the other thing is you know like I said the Arizona defense I do think has played pretty well and you know I mentioned the linebackers and up front I think JJ Watt and Zach Allen are pretty disruptive Marcus Golden's always underrated but it's not a good secondary like they should be able to get Matt like this is not a good cornerback group so um the matchups should be there for them uh you know actually on the flip side you know it's kind of a similar thing with Kyler where this offense has been with until Hopkins returned very dinky and dunky as well Uh, and one of the things I thought was that was really encouraging about seeing him back in the lineup, other than the fact that he um, actually played in, uh, he was actually lined up on in different parts of the field for once, uh, is the return of the intermediate passing game. Yeah. Uh, Ky- Kyler went six for eight on throws 10 to 20 yards uh, for 112 yards. And I think pretty much all of them were to Hopkins, it felt like. And that's just just having that you know a receiver who can actually just reliably move the chains for them and doesn't have to be like huge chunk plays has just been so absent from this offense. It, it has. This sounds like a a mean comment. I'm gonna say it anyways. Like the Cardinals just they just don't interest me. Like I just oh no. There's just I I know like what what a like. I, like what what is about I, I, Kyler's good sure like what about them like do, do am I interested about like like what like what should I be excited about when I watch him play football? Well, there was a vision I think with um especially with the idea of Hopkins and Hollywood Brown together. I thought oh that's a really good combination of receivers. Grant, you know I, I've railed on Cliff's scheme a lot. And I don't really need sure, to get we into all it have, here, but yeah. yeah, but the idea of having those receivers together with Ertz. By the way, I thought you know Benjamin looks clearly like the best running back on that team. He looked awesome. Pac-12 um, right there, like they got two. They got two Pac-12 guys in, in the in, in the in the backfield now. I love it. Who's uh, Connor's not Pac-12, right? Ingram. Oh, Ingram. USC. Can't Ingram. Uh, yeah. So it's you know it's um there's like a lot of talent there, and I think that's what I was kind of interested in. Sort of like oh, okay, like you have this quarterback who's really good. And by the way, they had him scrambling more in this last game. He ran the ball more, yeah. Early on, which is something they should do. Um, and then you have these talented players. And, you know, they haven't all been on the field together. But, like, it's just been, yeah, it's been very boring to watch, frankly. <laughs> so this week, um, they are playing a Vikings defense that we know what this Vikings defense is. I feel like at this point, they're going to play a lot of too high yeah. or just split safety looks, like, cover, you know, quarters. They're not going to blitz a lot. This is um, very much like a Vic Fangio you know, tree yep. defense. Um, and they're fine. You know, they're like not They're. I talked, they were really good against Minnesota or the pass rush was, but for the most part, like they're just okay. I think they're kind of in the middle of the pack, you know? Um, 
like in just about every metric they're about middle of the pack you know disruptiveness run defense um limiting big plays there's just kind of, they're just not like a real specialness to this so far yeah i feel like that's the way you describe the vikings this year. like there's not a specialness they're five and one i get it but there doesn't feel like there's a specialness to this team and again they it could change i think if we both agree the offense shows more uh attacking style of offense we feel better about them as far as having some you know something special um but yeah i mean it's it's I'm curious how this one goes. I mean, it's the line stinks. Minnesota three and a half is a sticky line. Do not, yeah. wager. Do not mm. wager on the Vikings. Um, if I was Arizona, I would lean pretty heavily. I mean, I, so the Vikings, it looks actually they're 21st in efficiency against both the run and the pass. So they're pretty even, but I would lean into the run, especially with all those light boxes that they seed. Um, I would again, repeat having Kyler carry the ball early on and lean into the option game with Benjamin too. Um, their offensive and, line though, they still yeah. have that there. I think Hudson was back. I know that, but Pew is out. I was wondering yeah. if the offensive line will create kind of some issues for them with, with a lot of injuries as we move forward. And I do, yeah. I do like Hunter and Smith together. And last we saw, like I said, they looked really good, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, so Vikings just kind of sum it up on that team because I really haven't talked about them too much. The offense right now feels a little bit um, like it lacks explosiveness, so I'd like to see more of that. And then defensively, um, you know, I think maybe some like different pressure looks <laughs> um, might be the key to getting after the quarterback a bit more than they've been. Um, and, that, you know, at some point they're going to get their rookie corner, Andrew Booth Jr., so... Or did he play in the last game? I don't remember seeing him, but he's been obviously out for most of the season. Now I can't remember. How dare you not know all 800 oh, players? God. Well, I, I, 17, I say that because somebody 1,700 yell at players. Me, I I did. I was doing radio NFL radio one time weeks. a couple years ago. It was after the draft, and someone asked me a question about like a seventh round cornerback that was drafted by the Lions. I was like, I don't know who that is. And they got very angry with me. Like, I, was, so. I feel bad if he played. I'm sorry, but I don't remember. But you know, he's actually been like not terrible. Patrick Peterson. So shout out to Patrick Peterson uh, for having. I mean, he's not doing all that man coverage season. anymore, right? Like they kind yeah. of have him just in. I mean, it the 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 too high stuff is all over the NFL. It's all over college football now. Like that's just kind of where the game has gone. Where I think the quickest way to lose in any game is to allow explosive offensive plays, especially through the pass. And teams are saying like. Yeah, we're not going to do that. Run the ball you want, fine. We're not going to let you move the ball down the field, get explosive chunk plays. Mm. All right, let's take a quick break and come back and talk about a couple more games. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. As you guys know, NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover years, Broncos fans. 
Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com Mina for a $3 trial set. So... I alluded to this game being a little bit underwhelming. God, I'm really selling these games. <laughs> Packers-Bills. Rodgers said, playing the Bills might be the best thing that could ever happen to them because nobody expects him to win. He is correct. Nobody, about one of those things, nobody expects him to win. Um, I, I tweeted this. I was just, des- I was just like, what is an area where the Packers might have an advantage and the one thing I could find with the Bills' defense was that they've struggled against number one receivers uh, without Tredavious White. Sadly, <laughs> that is not an area that the Green Bay Packers can exploit. Um, just starting on that side of the ball, we'll get to the Bills' offense and Packers' defense in a second. Uh, Jeff, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know how. Like we, you know, we have talked to no end about Rogers' struggles, the Packers' offensive struggles. I don't know what will work for them against this Bills' defense. Uh, prayer. Um, the Bills defense gets sick at the hotel night before the game. Like I, the Packers, um, they just look broke. Like, you know, Rogers, obviously the the blame game we've heard all week and, you know, there's truth to guys not doing their job and whatnot, but it feels like he's not doing his job either. Right. Like they're just, they're not in sync with each other. And it's, I think it's a bad excuse now through seven, eight weeks to say like, oh, these are new guys. I mean, look, Pat Mahomes found a way to work with his new guys, right? Like to say that you can't have an offense with, with you know, BC wide receivers. I'm not saying that MVS or Juju is that way, but just in general, like plenty of offenses function that don't have great wide receivers. Um, your offensive line been beat up. I think I saw that Buck Gary might be back this week. Um, but like they don't, use Aaron Jones like he's their best offensive weapon right like out of all the guys they have and they don't use them enough they don't use them in the pass game not run with them enough they don't screen with them enough like they don't use their best offensive weapon at all and you got to find a way to get him more involved in the game I run the ball 25 times I know you get yelled at by by uh by 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 the numbers but like what like use Jones like he's your best offensive weapon and you don't use him enough yeah, Dominique and I talked a little bit on Tuesday about how kind of dismal their play-action game is, which used to be awesome. And it feels like, to your point, they just need to lead into like the fact that Aaron Jones is the best player on this offense right now. Yeah. And, uh, and in terms of like the quarterback, just do everything possible to optimize him i guess i don't know yeah um, like like that yeah. it, it, it feels like it, it's hard to pinpoint two runs from under center in the last game two runs from under center you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint like if it's rogers if it's lafleur if it's a combination of both that like there's obviously something happening behind the scenes about this offense right and we've seen with at the end of mike mccarthy's time 
in Green Bay. And I'm, I'm with Aaron Rodgers on his assessment of that offense. It wasn't great. But also Rodgers wasn't doing what the coach asked him to do, right? Like that was – he was openly defying the coach. Um, and I wonder if that's being – are kind of happening here where it doesn't feel like they're in sync anymore with, with the play calling and what Rogers wants his offense to be and what LaFleur wants the offense to be. Also stop splitting carries with AJ Dillon. <laughs> I, Who, I don't know, man. He, he, yeah, he's, he's not looked great this year. I, 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 yes. Especially by the way, you know, I mean, the bills defense is good against both the pass and the run. Like I said, they're good at freaking everything, but Especially if White is back, I would absolutely lean in to running the ball on this team. I mean, do you think that the Bills' defense has uh, any weaknesses? Um, it's shown against Kansas City. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was. A, I mean, they they, they just kind of went bunch of man coverage and said, "Hey guys, like try to find a way to beat us." Um, it yeah. didn't work very well. You know, it just, which is I, so I, impressive because they're not a man coverage. Well, I mean, the team. Niners tried that too. Everything, dude. The yeah, we talked that about too. that earlier. It yeah, it didn't, didn't work as well. I got punished um, for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Buffalo, like like the addition of Von Miller, and I and I kind of said at the time that the addition was really only for like December and January and February. Like what what he does now is almost unimportant as long as he's healthy for the, for the end of the season. I've kind of been wrong about that. I mean, his impact. You saw what he was able to do against Pat Mahomes. Just makes he makes people uncomfortable. He makes teams uncomfortable and. Um, but that all being said, I mean, the Chiefs had a chance to go down and win that game. There was a late score by Buffalo. But you're talking about, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills, the two or three best teams in the, all the NFL. And the Packers aren't aren't those. So I just think it's going to be tough for them to slow down Buffalo, who is in just, you know, Josh Allen, His I don't think his numbers are as good as they were, what, two years ago? But, like, he's just better quarterback, I think. He's eliminated a lot of those YOLO plays. He's just so under control now. Um, he's just he just keeps improving. Like he, he steps his game up a little bit, kind of each year now, and I think it's very impressive to watch kind of the subtle adjustments he's made in his game. Well, so okay, so on the flip side, yeah, uh, the Bills are so freaking good. So um, good. the the one thing that I think you know, the, this Packers defense is I've complained about them being soft, soft against the run in particular, um, playing too much off coverage at times. It's been a little bit, a bit of change in that regard. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually thought they looked better against Washington, to be honest. A lot of the Washington offense, their success was just like Terry McLaurin doing insane things against them. Uh, so the Bills offense, you know, actually does have a weakness. It's just they can't run the ball well. Although I would say Devin Sanitary actually looked good against Kansas City, if I remember correctly. But, um, well, you know, Chiefs for the most part. Either, so in the run game. So that as well. Yeah. yeah. If I'm Green Bay, though, I, yeah, I just want them to run the ball as much as possible and basically, you know, put more bodies in coverage and just dare them to hand it off. Um, thing is, the Bills won't necessarily do that, or Josh Allen will just carry it. But it feels like that's probably their best bet in terms of surviving this one. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I, I know there's a general thought. I think that like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and even Tom Brady and the Bucks could just turn it around, right? Because like they've done that their entire career. We know so many years now, slow starts, but this Packers team just feels different. Um, you know, and they they just don't have the the, the wide receiver that Rodgers feels comfortable with. And maybe Devonta Adams was the reason why this offense kind of went. Maybe last year we started seeing some of the erosion of the trust between uh, Rodgers and Lafleur, and, and Adams made up the difference. I don't know, but. Um, they just they can't get things going. It's kind of sad to watch sometimes. 
Ten and a half was the line. Ten and a half, yeah. Oh, it's going to be 11 and a half now. Oh, my God. I should have mentioned also with the number one wide receiver thing. I think Alan Lazard might not play in this game. Oh, Alan um, Lazard. I mean, I just <laughs> – I mean, every, all the public's going to bet on the Bills in this one. Like, it's going to have yeah. to be one of those where, like, if you want to make money, you have to bet on the Packers and just, like, hold your nose on something to watch this right, game so in, like, horror. Let's try to do it this way. What is the formula for a Packers either upset or cover? Um, I'm not going to say upset. Like, what what happens? So. I mean, I, I, I Aaron, think, Aaron Jones carrying like 25 times yeah. at five yards carry. Yeah. Um, uh, start there. I, I mean, look, you have to, you have to like force a, an Allen turnover, right? You got to get him in the pocket, get the ball out, um, you know, find some ways to steal a, a special teams possession somewhere. Like that's kind of the way I think this, there's not a, like a football reason. Like it's not like, Oh, this is the matchup where this is the reason why they win this game. I mean, things have to kind of go your direction. And I guess Rodgers can start playing better and the wide receivers can start doing their jobs better and running the right routes and they can connect. But that feels difficult to do against this Buffalo team because what's going to happen, and this is why it's hard to play uh, teams like Buffalo that can score points, a lot of points, and do it fast. Is like if you get down like, you know, 14-0, 17-3, then you kind of get into like scramble mode. Even though you probably shouldn't, but you sort of do. And then all of a sudden, you just throw your game plan out the window. And now you're in, like, yeah. just trying to pass the ball to survive. And that, I think, is becomes a, a huge problem when you play a team like Kansas City or Buffalo that can score so fast. And so yeah. they might have a game plan the Packers. Hey, we're going to run Aaron Jones 25 times. And then you're down 14-3 in the second quarter. And you're like, oops, uh, we can't really do that now. So that's that could be a problem in this game as well. Yeah, well, I guess part, as part of this this uh, formula we're working on, uh, they, they're not falling behind by, like, a lot. Um, I, you know, I think, you know, the Packers can – I could see the secondary limiting explosives. So I guess it kind of goes back to the games where we've watched the Bills' offense look less than stellar is when Josh Allen's had to kind of methodically work his way up and down yeah. the road, which don't get me wrong, he can do, but – that's obviously you're, you've got a better chance of like, you know, kind of um, increasing the margin of error. And then maybe Jair Alexander makes, gets an interception and. It's all these maybes. Maybe if this happens. Well, yeah, happens. I mean, I'm trying happens. to come maybe up with this. Happens. This is a remote possibility, Jeff. I'm trying to come up with it. Yeah. Uh, um, Devin Singletary carries the ball more than he would like to. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. It, you know, what's going to be fascinating about the Packers too is like everybody thought they would be buyers. Right. But. They shouldn't be buyers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, with the, with the contracts they've got on the books, I, I do wonder if I, I can't see them being sellers just because of Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I don't yeah they're know. not going to be buying a bunch of wide receivers or a wide receiver, probably. Mm. Well, speaking of buyers and sellers, um, let's wrap with Niners Rams because okay. I actually think these are two teams that both our buyers and we're actually both competing for Christian McCaffrey. The Niners went out and got him. I forgot. I saw what the Rams offered. It was obviously less, but they, they really wanted him because of course they don't have a running game. Uh, the Niners want, they don't have an because... offensive line. Doesn't matter who the running back is. <laughs> okay. Let's start there. Can't block anybody. Who cares who the running back is? Uh, so the Rams <laughs> get back. It's like Bobby Evans. I mean, it, the thing problem with the Rams' offensive line is like they're not getting back like you know stars or like even really good yeah, players. We're, we're I guess Brian Allen is more. back. 
Yeah. Um, you know, no boom actually, I, and he's out, I know, but like, I thought he would be better this year and he wasn't, um, he was really good last year. Yeah. Um, in that, in the kind of the, especially in the playoff run when I think Whitworth missed the first playoff game, I think. Um, and, and no boom played really, really well in that game. Um, yeah. And I think we're seeing kind of, you know, Stafford a little older now doesn't have, doesn't have the same weapons he did last season, as far as just kind of the entire package of the offense and um, the offensive line is not good. Like you're seeing kind of like a a deterioration of, of the team a little bit. But also when you trade away all your draft picks and this is the this is what happens, right? And you won a championship last year. It totally worked. But you don't have young players to fill roles. Like you need that's you need a balance on your team to have these young players come in and start relying on these guys like who's who is a guy under a rookie contract on this team Mina that you're like that's a core player of our future so rookie contract you know they're, they're playing the young corner the, the young corners have been playing Darian Co- Kendrick and Kobe Durant not we could use Kobe Bryant are the young cornerbacks I think Durant comes back he's injured but Kendrick's looks decent um I guess Ernest Jones, who's linebacker, is on a rookie deal. This is kind of my point about depth, right? Like you start yeah. losing, you start losing, oh, 100%, 100%. you start losing pieces, and you just don't have like you don't have enough guys in your roster to make up the difference on a bad offensive oh. line, right? Like you don't have enough guys in your roster to make up the difference on not having Odell Beckham in the lineup or whoever you know, insert other so, wide receiver. You, you got Robinson, clearly not a fit for the offense. You know, you don't have an offensive line to make up for the loss of running backs. Like You just don't have enough pieces to make up the difference when guys don't perform at the same level they were for the last two or three years. So they do get um, Van Jefferson back, which I know he's not OBJ, but I do think that's been like a thing that's been really missing from this offense because of his ability. He can actually stretch the field, and that's been a problem um, for them. I, I think as far as like, okay, the, the core problem in this game and the thing that is most likely to make it repeat what happened the last time two of these two teams met is the, one of the biggest mismatches in the NFL this weekend would appear to be this offensive yeah. line versus the Niners pass rush, which we know is excellent. Um, I do wonder, they don't have McCole Hardman, but, and I'm not saying that the Chiefs laid down a formula. However, the Chiefs and did such a fantastic job using the oh. Niners' aggression against yep. them horizontally. I do wonder if maybe... The Rams can do something similar, at least sprinkle it in um, just as a a way of at least sowing some doubt in the minds of these Niners pass rushers that are so quick to get after the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid, it was kind of like a master class. How do we we like avoid avoid Bosa? And and, and to be fair, it's easier to do this when Armstead and Kinlaw aren't playing, right? Like when you have to not worry about other guys, essentially. Um, let's just focus our game plan on Bosa. We're gonna chip them, double them, hit them late. We're gonna slice them. We're gonna we're gonna you know. And then we're gonna run the, the screen in his direction. We're gonna do those fly sweeps in his direction. And kind of his, every single play, something was in his face. Like it was hard for him to just kind of get into rhythm. The Rams certainly can do that, but I feel like now Bosa might might be ready for it. <laughs> um, and is to your point, the Niners I think have won now what eight straight regular season games against the Rams, something like that. Um, wow. The last the, the last one they lost was the was the NFC Championship game. That was like otherwise they've won they have won two they've won seven in a row in the regular season, 
the loss at the last eight games they played was the playoff game, which was a three-point loss uh, last year. And it's a championship game. So the Niners kind of have their number, I think, for the reason you mentioned, the defensive line um, and you know, the Niners' ability, I think, to really schematically get the Rams in bad situations to stop their run game. Like They just do a good job with the motions and all that shifting and stuff. Um, and um, that, I think, um, is kind of the, the big reason why this always works. But the Niners are just really beat up right now. And I don't know if they can kind of do what they want to do in this game with all the injuries they have. So let's talk about the Niners on offense. Um, the Chiefs game was a very Garoppolo-esque game where, you know, he there were some good drives, some decent throws uh, in the beginning of the game. He kind of – things kind of just fell apart after – well, he had the interception. And then it was – after the safety, it was just like, all right, it was just kind of like melting down a little bit here. Um which, you know, I, I you know, I, it, it was kind of, it was interesting because the defense is real. I mean, they got absolutely obliterated by the Chiefs, but it was one of those games where it's like, I almost felt more let down by the offense than the defense in some ways. I don't know. That sounds so weird. Maybe just because the Chiefs offense looked like such a buzzsaw and I'm still not a huge believer in the Chiefs defense. And I was surprised that they weren't able, I, I, I thought up front they would be able to win in the trenches more against the Chiefs. Um, so... What did you make of like McCaffrey's debut? I mean, this is an offense, Jeff, that's always had success against the Rams defense, as we yeah. kind of discussed. I mean, do you think that continues? I I, I feel like the Rams are going to have a problem with McCaffrey. Well, yeah. I mean, Jimmy feels very comfortable with the Rams. Like they do a really good job of neutralizing Aaron Donald. They find different ways, again, offensively to kind of just like trap him and double him and get him away from the running game because you can motion guys across and find ways to do that. Um, the Niners' problem this year on offense, in, in my eyes, is the lack of explosive pass plays, right? Like, the Chiefs would go five plays, touchdown, the Niners would go 11 plays, field goal. And that's a problem. And, and their red zone issues this year for the Niners come down to your offensive line isn't as good this year because you've been hurt, yeah. but guys are coming back. I mean, McGlinchey played his butt off as hard as he could with a with a bum leg the other day. Like, he just, it's not good right now outside of Trent Williams. Mm -hmm. Um, and so in the, in the red zone, you know this, like the offensive line, it's got to be really good because the the safeties are much closer to the line of scrimmage now. And so when you run the ball, your offensive line's got to dent the defense so the back can get to the safety and make them miss and go. And when you don't have that, it hurts your run game in the red zone. And, you know, they don't really have like a big go get the ball in the red zone wide receiver either. Um, and yeah. that I guess it is Kittle essentially, Kittle, but yeah. like that's the guy and he did against Kansas City. He you know went over the middle of the field, caught a touchdown pass. Like that's what you need in the red zone, middle of the field plays because you can't really again the defense is much closer now, so you can go side to side all you want, but guys are closer to making tackles. Kittle's that guy in the middle of the field. That was a good touch he had against the nine a, a, a chief. So that's I think why they're struggling on offense. And does McCaffrey make them better? Sure, but I'll tell you this: I live in Charlotte. For years, for years, I heard about Christian McCaffrey was going to make the Panthers' offense be really good, right? That was it for years. I know he was hurt, but when he was healthy, they stunk, and they stunk because they had no quarterback, right? So if Jimmy Garoppolo was right. good, and if, if Christian McCaffrey makes Jimmy Garoppolo but if they just run the same offense with McCaffrey, I don't think it makes it much different. I mean, it just the trade felt like just Kyle Shanahan wanting to take the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands even more. That's just 
like, honestly like, well, like, which is funny because they actually had to throw a lot in the last game because they were down but point <sighs> is like that's and look he looked good i thought um against the Chiefs. so you know i, I it's it's funny because we, we've been kind of like negative in tone about san francisco and all their injuries but i kind of think they're gonna win this game again because i just don't think i just think just the rams defense just tends to not match up well with them and it's a rams defense that um you know, for all the talk about McCaffrey and the offensive line, which obviously is a huge problem, but unfortunately not one that like anyone can really address. The real thing they need is an edge rusher because uh, nobody outside of Aaron Donald is getting home this year. And that's been a huge problem for them. I just pulled the individual pass rush win rate number. So Aaron Donald is second amongst defensive tackles behind Chris Jones. They don't have a single edge rusher, with whether it's be Floyd Terrell Lewis, Justin Hollins in the top 54 right now. Nobody is taking advantage of all the one-on-ones you get from playing next to Donald. Yeah. Um, and it's making them vulnerable against the pass. Uh, so, yeah, this is, I mean, the Niners offense has been a thorn in their side for, I think, largely schematic reasons. And I kind of I kind of think the Niners offense rebounds in this one um, just because of the matchup. Yeah, I would lean them because they just they have their number. Like they know obviously offensively. Like, I think that matters, right? Like Shanahan obviously understands how to play this Rams defense. And I don't know why that would change. And Jimmy Garoppolo is confident playing this team. Like I just I do think the Niners win that game for those reasons. And I think again, the Bosa matchup, the Rams are just in trouble. Like they just don't have anyone to block them. Whew. We shall see. Let's just see. Sean McVay might call 30 jet sweeps in this game. Last week, their run game was all jet sweeps, by the way. Yeah. Um, for Hopefully for my sake, because I have uh, Daryl Henderson on my fantasy team. They actually <laughs> let him be the number one back. But all right, let's come back uh, and finish with five quick questions for our guest. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Show. M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. And now it's time for Dinks and Dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? As always, five questions, four from me, one from Lenny. Jeff, are you ready? Yes. Okay, question number one. So we're just going to go through games, kind of, is what I've been doing with the other games that we haven't been talking about. Question number one, Bears, Cowboys. 
So I have a very specific question for you yes. in this one. So we're coming off of like a really fun Bears game where they actually look interesting, which is awesome. Uh, so last time we saw the Cowboys, um, the Eagles were very clever in how they, speaking of uh, the Rams, or pardon me, uh, the Chiefs approaching uh, Nick Bosa, the Eagles uh, optioned the hell out of Micah Parsons. It feels like a million years ago, but you remember like, now the Eagles are, of course, a very unique rushing attack. But let me ask you this. Do you think the Bears should try to do the same thing? Yeah, so when you play a player like Parsons, I remember all the way back in college, Chip Kelly was at Oregon my first, my last year there, his first year there, and every time we played a good defensive player, US, whether it was USC, UCLA, whoever it was, we would try not to block them as much as possible in the run game because it obviously puts him in a dilemma of who to go after, but also then just avoiding blocking that guy tends to work out pretty well. Um, and the Bears should absolutely do this. Uh, now, maybe the Cowboys move Parsons off the ball to avoid these situations, but I would use him as much as possible to option off of, to trap, to wham, to do all those things that you can do to disrupt an edge rusher like that. Question two, Dolphins, Lions. Do you think if the Lions lose this one, Dan Campbell is at risk for a midseason firing? Oh, I like Dan Campbell, but there's not getting any better, right? Um, yeah. I think the idea is we our, our roster gets better, we play better, and we just lose because of Jared Goff, right? Like that kind of feels like the plan, but they're not even doing that really, right? Yeah, um, I know it's everything, it's and just, like uh... that's the problem. Like if they were losing each week by three, four, seven, and just golf was being bad, but everything else was good, you can make the case of like, oh, right, cool, like we just need a quarterback, right? But and then like that, that fumble, I know it's not his fault he fumbled, but like those are plays that like. Good teams just don't make. They just don't fumble the ball at the one-yard line that often. And it felt very Lions-esque, right? Like, mm -hmm. we don't get in the end zone, then we immediately fumble. And I think I, if they're one and six, I could see that happening, yes. Question three, Panthers-Falcons. I am picking the Panthers Ooh. in this one. I don't think okay. they're favored, yeah. Um, part because I like the Panthers' defense. Part because I am drinking – I am just too high on the P.J. Walker supply – after one game, I know he wasn't good last year, uh, but I also don't think the Falcons' defense is very good. Talk me out of this pick. Yeah, I mean, my my talk you out of this pick is that um, that game felt very like Ewing theory, right? Like yeah. you lose CMC, and then all of a sudden you have a really good offensive game. But was it like really good? I mean, twenty one points. I, the Bucks' defense is good like, though. He I mean, like, good. I mean, they had. I'm gonna look up the numbers. I'm curious about how many what they had for yards. I know this basic. They only had 14 first downs, the 343 yards. Were they good on third down? Where's third down at? Who knows? Uh, third down, four of 12. So you know, about a little below average, probably there. Um, so I don't know. I, I the Falcons defensively, especially their secondary, is still beat up. Yeah, but the Falcons' run game, though, man, it, they, they're fun. I kind of have just like a piece of my heart with that run game. Man. They just mm. do so, so many fun things. I like Mariota. Um, I I would take the Falcons, but... Mm. Okay, let me, you might yeah. me out of it. All right, question four. Uh, Raiders Saints. Do you think the Raiders have a chance of turning around this season? Um... I mean, sure, they they have the, Two the and players four, to remind people at at uh, some positions to do that, but the problem is they're like 
they're not like the secondary is not great, so it's hard to like stop teams, right? Like it's hard to use your pass rush well when you when you have your secondary is pretty pretty bad. They're running the ball a lot better lately, but you know, again, like you need Karn Adams to like that needs to be your offense and Renfro and Waller and all those guys, and it's just not your offense. So we get Saints, Jags, Colts, Broncos. Right? They could win all four of those games, and you're right back in it, right? So I would say their season's not over yet, but they're just like they're not playing um, complimentary football very often. And it's kind of just – they look disjointed a lot. I think that's probably the – yeah, that's mm-hmm. – the, it, it's been a hard one to explain why they're two and four because every game is kind of a different reason. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and that I think speaks to your point about how disjointed they look at times. All right, last question, as always, comes from Lenny. Uh, Lenny is a simple question. He wants to know how you feel about the fact that your brother's Pomeranians have more Instagram followers than you. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Cupcake and pumpkin. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I'm not a dog or a good looking, you know, person to to get a lot of followers on Instagram. Um, Yeah, good for them. Good for them. Uh, it does not. I, I got like a thing today, like an email, like, Hey, do you want to, do you want to be a brand ambassador for some? I was like, no, like, I, I mm. good for, good for them. Not my thing. Um, so if you want to follow me on Instagram, I post a lot of football stuff and occasional pictures of my family and some food I make. It's a very, it's a very wholesome family account. Um, go, go check it out. Yeah. I'm going to stick with cupcake the palm. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's okay. No, no, I'm my, you know, pancakes and, and and burgers and and kids aren't for everyone. It's okay, Mina.